afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Another six-man tag match for for no apparent reason than we just want to have a bunch of six-man tag matches. Um, the Lucha Brothers and the Laredo Kid against the... Is it too early to say dumb f***s on YouTube? And, uh, yep. and they're... They're, yep, it sure is. And their their little friend Brandon Cutlet. What? Okay, now the Lucha Brothers are back together. I thought Felix and Pac were a team, and Penthouse was a single heel. Felix and Pac, the last time I saw them, they were baby faces. Now Felix and Penthouse are back together, but they're apparently heels because they're going against the 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 dumb fucks and cutlet that are apparently baby faces and also the lucha brothers and laredo kid had the heel interpreter who is the best of the bunch of them and this was just an excuse for all the kids to go out and play on their trampoline this looked like the June Taylor dancers in a riot with two 7th grade students and their dull-witted pal that got left back two grades and I, I can't watch this fake-ass Mexican square dancing that they insist on doing. In the UFC, they make the video games look like the fights, but when these fucking clowns get in the ring, they make the fights look like the video games. And it's just, it's just the same thing over and over, and they might love this shit in Tijuana. And, I'm, you know, maybe some of the AEW faithful like to see a bunch of grown men doing cheerleading routines but for the average viewer of a wrestling match this is gaka garbage gaka they all took turns jumping off high shit and catching each other and finally they went to a break and i took the opportunity to, to not come back on the the next segment and skip the second half of it it was basically a million dives and flips and finally, Laredo Kid backflipped Cutlet off the top rope and one, two, three. It never changes. What did Dusty say in that pro in that promo? If you follow her, the view never changes. It never changes, but well, the match in AEW never changes, baby. Except in this case, they had an afterbirth. That's different. We only have an afterbirth on three quarters of the AEW matches. Olivier comes out and jumps the Laredo kid and beats him up and whacks one of the other luchas and then did his phone sex promo where he never actually completes a sentence. He just blurts out a lot of random words and in a, the breathy fashion. And he confronted, was I watching this? Brian, tell me if I was watching this and I'm correct about this. He confronted the Bucks yet again over their lost friendship, their love gone wrong. They've spurned him. He went crazy and was the hyperventilating Marx brother mad because they would, they, you've got a too sweet me right now. It's like a lover's quarrel. These are not men, they're children fighting over who's 
cut who out of friendship? So the hyperventilating Marx brother and the two smarmy punks from Cucamonga are arguing over whether they should two-sweet each other or not, and every gas station mechanic in fucking America is going, I wish somebody just bend these two over and just fuck them all. Um, what? Just, just, then the Bucks walk out on Twinkle Toes with, we can't figure out whose side we're supposed to be on in this. It's a, just a, a, a bunch of annoying people speaking to each other. And the Bucks walk off, and then the Lucha Brothers jump back on Olivier and lay him out. So nobody ever has the fucking last word. They just, if, if, if the guy who beat up another guy, if he stays out there long enough, the guy that got beat up will come back and beat him up in the same segment. I didn't understand any of this. What were your thoughts? Uh, in terms of the match... You know, Brandon Cutler can do a lot of the moves that everyone else seems to be able to do, a lot of the high-flying moves, but boy, does he not look like a wrestler. He's really skinny. There's nothing intimidating about him. There's nothing that stands out about him. He doesn't seem special compared to anyone else who does all the same things he does. And it's clear that he's only there because he's friends with the Young Bucks. I think AEW loves tournaments. They should have a tournament of the friends <laughs> and just have everyone's charity hire Dr. Luther and Brandon Cutler and QT Marshall and Sean Spears and everyone else. All the people that are only there because of who their friends are and have a tournament amongst them to find out who really is the best friend, the best friend. You know, other than that, I, you know, I get a kick out of Ray Phoenix. I have to admit, I get a kick out of watching him. The post-match. I was surprised when all of a sudden Omega got his ass kicked by the Lucha Brothers, and apparently they busted his mouth because he was bleeding. I don't, I don't know what to think of all this. Like you said, who's the face? Who's the heel? It's hard for me to believe that the Young Bucks are baby faces because they act like heels. You know, Nick Jackson just has no charisma at all. He just seems like you would think that if they weren't the sober brothers that Nick Jackson was just stoned all the time sitting there. He never really reacts would, or says anything. That would be an excuse for his dull-witted look and his lack of any personality whatsoever. Yeah, he has nothing. And then Matt Jackson, everything he says comes across like a little brat, like a little heelish brat. Yeah. But then Omega's in there clearly being a heel. <laughs> I don't know why anyone's supposed to care about any of this. This has been laid out so poorly from day one. You know, on the indie scene, they were the elite. This group of Omega and the Bucks, and I guess you could even say Cody and Adam Page, who was in New Japan. But nothing's really been done with any of that in AEW. So the average person who doesn't read The Observer may have no idea what's going on with any of these idiots. Welcome to The Hoots Podcast. This is a podcast about life, which just happens to be centered and focused around the world of professional wrestling. We tackle the topics of the week, both inside and outside of the squared circle, while also focusing on the issues that are plaguing the world today. Whether it's wrestling, sports, life, 
or anything in general, we've got you covered right here on the Hoots Podcast. And now, here's your host, Josh Lopez. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 251 of the Hoots Podcast. And folks, this may be the last edition of Hoots Podcast. Nothing said so, but we'll see. Uh, I'll keep you updated on that. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's just truly the nefarious Mark Adam. You can follow me at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. I'm also... On Instagram at Josh Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. On the Instagram at Josh Lopez Music on Instagram as well. If you want to see me do some guitar covers, uh, your boy covers just about almost every single wrestling show <laughs> known to man, at least televised, or on YouTube on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Make sure to bookmark that website as you can. And I just wanted to uh, tell everybody uh, that. Your boy is very humble and very appreciative of the support you guys gave into last week's podcast and just in general for this show. Um, episode 250 was a blast last week. I was not expecting it to go as long as it did, but, you know, the thing with the Hoots podcast is not uh, our plan to run shows for a certain amount of time. It's just the flow of the show, and that's what the Hoots podcast is. So this week is going to be a little different. Obviously, we get back to our regular routine of segments and shenanigans and rants and a bunch of other shit but um one thing remains too this is a premier phase for wrestling fans to just be themselves remind themselves that hey um at the end of the day we're not in boardrooms we can enjoy we can enjoy professional wrestling for what it is and not take it for granted so um sorry for my uh being blown up here getting messages from Brett carter uh shout out to him and, um, yeah, I'm just really excited for the show today. Um, we're going to start off right now with the Good Brothers Q&A session. As always, you can send me a question if you'd like at the, um, I keep wanting to say at the Hoots Podcast, but, uh, Twitter's still being an asshole. Um, yeah, you can follow, you can send me questions if you'd like on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. You can send me questions on here on Facebook. Um, you can also send questions on our YouTube chat box if you want, uh, as the show goes on. Also, at the same time, you can ask me uh, questions at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's also possible as well. So uh, ask me anything you want. Talk about relationships, uh, mental health, sports, wrestling, anything that's on your mind. I'd love to chat with you. So uh, Good Birds Q&A session went really long last week. It was our largest one. We had like over 50 somewhat questions uh, from Good Brothers. I have another good batch of questions this week from the guys. I'm also adding some stuff uh, on my own here. Uh, so we can get into more like the personal stuff and uh, relationship stuff as well. So I'm excited. Let's do this, all right? All right, we're going to start it off with the good brother Chris Saletta at xteens 1124 x on Twitter. He says, what's up? What up? Oops. Uh, here's some questions for the Q&A this week. 
What are your top five Buster Rhyme songs? Now, I gotta tell you guys, like, for me personally, I'm not the best with naming song titles off the top of my head. I usually have to look it up on YouTube so I can remember it per se. And when it comes to Buster Rhymes, I've always been a fan of his. I, I, I understand he's definitely a legend. The thing with music for me, it's really hard sometimes to put things in just a top five box. So it's like, okay, is it a top five songs that he just did it by himself? Is it top five features that he did? On other songs, so that's where I'm coming at uh, with this uh, answer here, Chris. So for me, there's a song that Buster did with uh, Linkin Park back in 2008 called We Made It. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See, that's another good one. Uh, my personal favorite uh, Buster Ryan feature song is uh, Victory, uh, which is off uh, Pete Diddy's No Way Out. Um, album <laughs> a little rough wrestling reference out there no way out um yeah victory is one of my favorite songs it's one of the best songs of all time um and then past the that's a, obviously a great one over the years uh look at me now um let's see if anyone's on here i can look at uh that's really stand out um now that's that's pretty much different ones for like bus ride but I, i've always been a fan of his uh I don't know if I would my, my top five rappers, but for what he's done in his career, the the his style of rapping and how fast he can just come up with lines and stories and stuff like that, it's always really impressive. So uh, definitely a, a fan of Buster Rhymes. Um, all right, next question uh, is, what's your top five fabulous songs? That's another one. I, I'll be honest with you, I think fabulous is sometimes it's kind of over hyped or underrated like i can't really define which uh lane i want to go with this because while i do respect fabulous's work over years it's not something that i go after and like go out of my way to look all right i'm in the mood to hear fabulous songs like if i find if i hear something on the radio or i see something like a youtube suggestion video of his i'll i'll pull it up but I don't know. It's something about fabulous. That, I don't know. It's kind of hit and miss for me sometimes. But um, I'll answer the question. Uh, there's definitely a couple ones. Uh, Make me better. The one that with Dio is one I really like. Uh, Can't let you go is another good song that he did. Um, uh, the feature he did with uh, Tamiya for uh, the So Into You remix. That's a classic, obviously. Um, him on uh, Trade It All. Um, with P. Diddy and Jagged Edge. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm a uh, fan of bad boy music. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> bad boy music's the greatest uh, record label of all time. Um, let's see. I, 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 Breathe's another good one. It's a good song from his over the years. Uh, Baby Don't Go. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Fabulous' stuff. Um, um, there's another one, um, they did with Jimmy Fox, um, yeah, there's one he did with, uh, Jimmy Fox and Neo, I'm trying to pull it up right now, actually, oh, she got it wrong, yeah, that's, that's the song, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's your answer, Chris, um, okay, Next question. When in Boston, what were your go-to food spots? Oh, fuck. Uh, 
I got, I have, I, I'm blanking out because uh, this trip I went to Boston was literally 10 years ago. I can't believe it's been 10 years since we went out for these trips and almost 10 years since I graduated high school. It's crazy how quick time goes by, right? So uh, for me, the, the Cheers, was that the... Fuck, hold up. Let me look this up on my phone really quick. There was a popular TV show slash restaurant that they have in Boston. Um, yeah, it's on Beckton Street. Uh, cheers. I went to there uh, the first time I went to Boston. And then the second time, they had a lot of good stuff in the mall they have uh, for the uh, convention center uh, in Boston downtown because that's where um, mostly the Berkeley shows were. Uh, being held at, at the Berkeley uh, Jazz Festivals, and um, we would just uh, we were there all day, so we would just like pick and choose what we want out of like the food court sections and stuff like that. Uh, I really didn't have the opportunity to like fully appreciate all the restaurants in Boston. I think we went to like one Chinese place that was by um, by TV Garden, but. Um, I know I've heard over the years of the restaurant called Kowloon that's uh, really popular in wrestling circles. I know referee Tony's talked about this, but um, one thing I'll tell you not to get in Boston as far as food's concerned is frozen yogurt because uh, your boy almost passed out um, and decided to shoot disgust and the taste in my mouth. Um, uh, yeah, they their frozen yogurt tastes like pure glue, so uh, no. Nah. And the pizza's not that great either. But, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed my time in Boston. Um, could have done with some of the people I dealt with there, but um, it's what it is. Um, I, I enjoyed my time out there. Um, what are your thoughts on a now 17-game regular season, good or bad? Um, I think it's sucky for the players. Uh, selfishly, as a football fan, uh, with it being my favorite sport, I'll never say no to more football. Um, I think the good part of it is that you don't have as much uh, preseason games that get in the way of what's going on in the long-term picture of the teams. Uh, It's going to be very interesting how the coverage is with the league as a whole with it being 17 games. Like, what's what's the new bar or acceptability now since we have 17 games? uh, Is uh, 10-6-1 good enough? Will we have more ties? How will the first half of the, the regular season look like as far as quality of games, the level of physicality? Like, I'm, I'm just very interested in how that rollout is going to be, basically. So, um, I think as far as 17 games, um, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. Um, I really am. I, obviously, we have now the, the seventh seed uh, scenario with the wild card. Um, implemented for both uh, leagues, uh, both conferences. So I think it's definitely – this was bound to happen for a while. I feel bad for the players, obviously, because um, they're the ones putting their bodies uh, on the line, taking time away from their families, and I'm sure they're not happy about this. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it goes. So uh, I'm kind of 50-50 on this, Chris. Um, I say there's more good for us as fans, but I also – Look at somebody who played football and dealt with injuries and still feel uh, ramifications of playing football now to this day. And um, 
Um, I would say it's all all too bad or all too good. That's that's what I'll say. Um, do you think Ty debuts next week at Takeover based on the video packages we saw? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, she had her dog out there, so that was kind of obvious. I've never seen a dog on Impact, and um, it's very interesting to see what she does. Uh, always been a big fan of Ty Valkyrie. Uh, she's an underrated member of the Waterfall Club. And um, I've seen her work all the way back from Lucha Underground, and she's just really good at what she does in the ring. Um, kind of underrated on the mic, too. But um, her presence could be good for the XC brand. Um, you know, I always say, like, it's good to have variety at NXT instead of having it all feel like a Ring of Honor show or, you know, it's one thing to get off on your wrestling skills, but what else do you bring to the table? especially for the WWE, but um, Ty could deliver on the mic. She could deliver in the ring. Uh, she could deliver in all ways and facets of the world, of professional wrestling. Um, do I think she debuts at TakeOver? No. Uh, they they had a the little video package uh, that said that she would be appearing on the um, first NXT show on Tuesdays. Uh, if you guys haven't heard, NXT's uh, making the transition to Tuesdays, uh, starting on April 13th. So that's where we'll see Taya. Um, thoughts on the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship? Oh, boy. <laughs> this has been a big topic uh, of discussion uh, in the world of wrestling with fans today. Um, yeah, we saw the debut of the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship belt at Night two of the World Two Super Genesis, um, man. I, the the reveal and how New Japan goes about like revealing tie belts or how they handle um, retirements and final matches and like all the ceremonial stuff they do, they do a very good job of that. Uh, I love the layout; that was cool. Um, the design. For me, I'll be honest with you guys, I can't tell you a good design or not if it's slapping the face. I'm not a graphic <laughs> uh, designer. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I'm one. Um, I have my taste and dislikes here and there about certain designs and stuff. Everybody is very consistent with the stuff with the WWE tag team titles looking like uh, pennies. I get that. Um, with this title, um, it's, it's very interesting. I I think there's some kind of uh, remnants of the original IWGP World Heavyweight title, but a lot of it looks like the U.S. title that WWE has right now, too. So it's like, that was a little weird. Um, I don't hate it. Um, The title looks nice. They put a lot of uh, thought into it, the diamonds and everything they put into the title. Um, I just think the concept of forging both the IC title and the World Heavy title together. It's kind of unfortunate for the other guys in the roster who don't have the opportunity to go after the IC title at a Wrestle Kingdom. And it sucks because you can have... I, I, the one complaint I've always had with New Japan is that with their matchmaking, uh, I know they want to get more juice out of their singles matches and make it like mean something and have more meat to it. But also at the same time, you can't have every show have five tag matches that have the same layouts each and every single time. And then now you're going to get to the point where you get to these shows like Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom where half the card or almost a third of the card tag team matches 
and then you get a couple uh, title matches here and there, but it's like, um, I, I just think it's really unfortunate that the IC title and is no longer in equation, not for New Japan, but I guess the Denver Openweight title will take its spot uh, as as the future goes on. But um, that that's just my thoughts on it. Um, does her business replace Shelton and Cedric, or do they end up back at some point? Um, I'll mention this right now because it's really not too much to recap from Raw and SmackDown this week, in my opinion. Uh, so I'll answer this now. Um, I thought with what happened on Monday, I think that the Hurt Business are kind of playing a ruse in all of us. And I look, I understand that we're in the era of wrestling fans being at their most sensitive uh, point, I guess is the best way to describe it. And they're like very trigger happy and very reactionary instead of, you know, I'm in a very, I, I'm in a unique position as a wrestling fan or just somebody who covers the uh, industry for a living, um, I guess you could call me an analyst if you want, but like, for me, the fan aspect of me, the re- the reactionary aspects of me in professional wrestling has kind of gone on the wayside over the last five to ten years, and for me, I've just really taken the, the approach of taking a step back and kind of thinking things from a long-term point of view instead of jumping the gun and I'm automatically saying so-so is buried. Oh, this is a dumb decision. Oh, what's going on with the booking? Like, for me, like, guys, I can't be more clear enough by saying that I give two shits about booking and stuff behind the scenes. I just really don't. That's not me. That's not what I do. That's not what this show represents. Hell, half the times when I criticize AW, most of my critiques are regarding the stuff on the show. It's nothing behind the scenes. But, um, yeah, I think uh, when it comes to this question, I just think they played a ruse on everybody. I would not be surprised if the Herbises are all whooping Drew McIntyre's ass next week uh, for the last Raw before WrestleMania. So, uh, if they do replace uh, Cedric with, if they do replace Shelton and Cedric, I think Ali and Ricochet will uh, join the Hurt Business. That would be my guess. Will Jeff Hardy get one more WWE Championship run? Uh, I say no to that. Uh, though, I, I, you know, I kind of feel bad for Jeff because I know he wanted to get his old song back. And uh, I really think out of anybody that's came back uh, and it's been affected by the pandemic, it's him. Not that he's had, like, COVID or anything, but, like, it's just the aspect of the crowd not being there, uh, him not really doing much on TV of a consequence. Um I love Jeff Hardy. Um, I just think his like I think his trajectory right now would be a lot different if fans were in the attendance right now. I really do. Uh, next question: Money Bank seems to be the next pay per view after Mania. Who would you give the briefcases to this time? Oh man, that's a great question. Well, Bailey's already been a uh, Money to Bank winner contract holder. Uh, I know for the men that I would give it to Kevin Owens. Uh, Kevin Owens would definitely be my pick as far as who I would want to win the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, also, you know what? I'll go with Kevin Owens and Shayna Baszler. Uh, let's right or wrong for last year. Shayna Baszler should have won the Money in the Bank ladder match last year. So I'll go with Kevin Owens and Shayna Baszler. It's my pick for Money in the Bank. All right. Shout out to Chris for the questions. I appreciate you, good sir. 
Um, next batch of questions come from the good brother Sam Piopo at Second City Sam. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. He's the good man. Uh, anyways, uh, he says, final predictions for both the White Sox and Cubs. All right. Here we go. My Chicago White Sox will win the AL Central with a 91-71 and 71 record. Uh, I believe the Cubs make the playoffs as a wild card at 89-73. and 73. So those are my predictions for both the Sox and the Cubs. Uh, next question. Does Cole Colorado feel like Gargano Champa to you? Um, and that's another question that it's hard to really look at the full context of it without crowd being there. Um, I love the video package that they aired this week on NXT. I thought that was badass. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, does that say personal grudge feel like Gargano to champion to me? No. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I know Undisputed Era were in the faction and stuff, but I... It really, I I just never felt like the best friend dynamic with Cole and O'Reilly as I did with Gargano and Champa, and that's the thing where he had that grudge feud. Obviously, these guys are gonna have a grudge style match, it's an unsanctioned match at Takeover Stand and Deliver, and they're gonna beat the ever loving shit out of each other. It's gonna be an awesome match, but I don't think it's at the level of Gargano and Champa to me. Um, this is a good question. Best moment in person. At WrestleMania. Oh, man. I got a couple. I mean, uh, for me, just just the atmosphere atmosphere of seeing John Cena and Triple H at WrestleMania 22 is something that I'll never forget. It's just like one of those moments where you're in the building and it's like the building starts shaking and you're just like, fuck, man. This is what I want to do for a living. This is what I want to do. This is me. This is where I'm supposed to be. I had two moments in wrestling, in person, that told me that I wanted to do this. Not that I wanted to be a wrestler, that I wanted to be part of the industry, that I wanted to work in the... I wanted to call the action for the WWE. That's always been one of my major goals in my life. And for me, like, looking at Triple H and John Cena, or John Cena and CM Punk for Money in the Bank, uh, this is like moments I'll never forget. Um, obviously the Seth Rollins cash-in at WrestleMania 31 was really cool with it being the first WrestleMania I got to cover as part of the media. I thought that was awesome and something I'll never forget. Um, you know, get to meet, uh, Ant and, uh, B-Rob in New Orleans was, uh, something that was really special to me as well. Um, it was cool to get to meet them at the Superdome. Um, not Silverdome, Hogan. Um, but yeah, those, those are the ones that stand out the most to me. Uh, most underrated WrestleMania moment. Oh, man. <laughs> it's hard. So, sometimes I want to say underrated moments, like underrated matches. Uh, moments can be hit and miss um, sometimes. Um, like, you, let's talk about underrated uh, WrestleMania matches. Uh, like Finn Balor gets Seth Rollins in the Miz from New Orleans. I thought Charlotte and Asuka is highly underrated for what that was for the women's evolution uh, as far as match quality. That was one of the best women's matches i ever seen in person. Um, that's a great question, man. 
I didn't say that Kevin Owens jumping off the um, the WrestleMania side last year was a underrated moment. Um, WrestleMania 35, uh, Batista's last match, uh, I know he slipped during his entrance and stuff, but I thought the way they handled Batista's last match was like done perfectly. And I thought that was a really cool moment for Dave to go out the way he did like that with Ric Flair and Triple H. I thought that was the right thing. I could have done without Shawn Michaels on commentary, but uh, that that match uh, for Batista being it, it's his last match, I thought that was uh, pretty good and pretty special. Um, I guess you could say, like, um, man. <laughs> I don't know if it's underrated mode, but it's just something that's funny that I saw in person was, um, you guys remember the Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, No Holds Bar match? Um, well, they had a running with Shane, and Shane joined the now infamous Vince McMahon, Vince Meek Mahan, uh, <laughs> Kiss My Ass Club, so... Uh, that 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 was another funny moment that I, I won't forget. Um, the most overrated wrestler of all time? Oh, that's easy. That's Kenny Olivier. Shout out to you, brother Carter, because I got that from you. Uh, all right. Last set of questions here for the Gilbert's Q&A session, um, wrestling-wise. Uh, this one comes from Nate the Great. You can find him at Twitter, at PsychoMagiri on Twitter. He says... What is one feud you would want to see after WrestleMania? Great question. Man. You can pick out a litter of any of these, to be honest with you. Um, you know what? I would really like to have Rhea and Sheena mix it up again. Uh, I think that would be really cool. That's just my opinion. Definitely would love to see uh, Lashley have another couple round of matches with Sheamus. I think that'd be really cool. Um, AJ Styles and... No, I, don't know. I don't know about that. Um, let's see what, what Keith Lee does when he comes back. I think that'd be something interesting to keep your eyes on. Um... Yeah, so there's there's a couple you could do. I mean, as far as Roman Reigns is concerned, I, I just want to let it play out and see where that goes because I don't know who's winning the title and it better not be Daniel Bryan, please, for the love of God. <laughs> uh, definitely would love to see, like, uh, Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan have their feud. I think that would be really good. But, um, yeah, those those are the ones that I would pick for that question. Um, will JY ever win gold again? Yes, Uh I think JY will beat Tanahashi for the never open weight title suit. So I think JY will hold a championship, if you will, down the road. Um, next question. What match are you looking forward to the most next week? Man, that's a great question. You know what, Nate? I, I, I'll pick one for each show, okay? So for night one... My favorite, uh, that, like the match I'm looking forward to the most is um, for TakeOver Stand and Deliver is Walter and Tommaso Ciampa. I think that's going to be insane. And then night two is Finn Balor and uh, Killer Cross. Th those would be the matches that I'm looking forward to. And then um, 
also, um, as far as WrestleMania is concerned, night one for me is definitely Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. And then second is for night two would be uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. That'd be my pick for night two. So those, those, those fans right there are the ones that I would pick out for the 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 cavalcade of wrestling matches that'll be going down in Tampa, Florida next week, and all across Florida. Wrestling capital of the world is Florida, I guess, these days. Hence why I'm moving down there, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want to thank uh, Nate, Sam, and Chris, as always, for sending some awesome questions. It's always uh, for the Good Brothers Q&A session. I really do appreciate it, guys. And um, let's see if I can find some interesting ones here. No, I think that's it. I think we can wrap it up right there, actually. Uh, that's good. Yeah, we're going to put a rib on the bow for the Good Brothers Q&A session. Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the Hoots podcast and the audio version. And when we come back, uh, we're going to get into what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoots podcast. I have been privileged throughout the course of my career to go toe-to-toe with some of the greatest talent that this industry has ever offered. Legends like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Legends like Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Legends like The Undertaker, Kane, John Cena. It's a very long list, but none of those men quite compare to The Fiend. I was so blinded by wanting The Fiend out of my life that I ignored the fact, the fact that The Fiend is not a man. No, The Fiend is much, much More than that, the fiend is sick and twisted. The fiend is sadistic. The fiend is an abomination from hell. Now, I thought Alexa Bliss's premonition that the fiend was going to return, I thought that that was all part of some elaborate game. But little did I know our match at Fastlane wasn't a match at all. It was a trap. You see, the entire time, Alexa Bliss knew. She knew that she had the Fiend's very heartbeat in the palm of her hand and that she could bring him back. Well, well now, at least I know what I'm dealing with. At least now, thank you God, I know what I'm dealing with. Because what that means is for the final time at WrestleMania, I will stand across the ring, not from a man, but from a sick and twisted, sadistic abomination. But lucky for me, we were both cut from the same cloth. So what that also means is that at WrestleMania, I will dig down deep. I will do what I need to do and I know just how far into hell I need to sink to make sure that the fiend is out of my life. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoops Podcast. Ready to go over what happened this week in WWE. Starting the clip right there from this past week's edition of Monday Night Raw. Randy Orton getting ready to mentally be uh, prepared to conquer his demons, if you will, in his match with the Fiend Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. I mentioned it last week. I have no idea what these guys are going to do as far as their match is concerned at WrestleMania, but... I'm really, really excited, and I think uh, these guys can really pull something special off at WrestleMania. Uh, it's really interesting. Like, you compare this match as compared to la- uh, the last time they fought each other at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 3-3, as far as, like, hype 
build up as far as like anticipation. I think these guys have an opportunity to top what they did at WrestleMania 33 uh, because there's not as much expectations as it was uh, for the first one. Uh, I, I got to say this, like expectations just in general in life are very misleading and puts you in a box that you don't need to really put yourself in. And I really think that for, for just people in general and people in just in life, expecting things is the rudimentary way of just getting to the place where you don't want to be and not getting the answers what you want. Like, I can't expect anything from anybody. It's kind of the reason why I'm not like these wrestling events that put place unrealistic expectations on things because for me, I'd rather process something that happens to me than anticipate it and then it doesn't go my direction. Like, I really don't get my hopes up for a lot of stuff that's just part of life for me. But, like, I, I hate... I, the, like, for that match at WrestleMania 33, wasn't a bad match. Obviously, a lot of people made a big bugaboo about the projecting screen and the the spiders and stuff like that. But, like, the thing with that match, uh, I just think it didn't live up to people's expectations. And that's just, you get into dangerous wars when you start expecting things. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I just, that's not how I'm wired. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. Um, this week I wanted to really go over, uh, give you like a forecast look at the match order that we can see on both nights for WrestleMania, uh, this year in Tampa. I'm going to be there, uh, on Saturday and Sunday with Andrew Bay Dollar from the SME Network. Uh, very excited to hang out with him and meet him in person for the first time, um, so if you're down in Tampa and you see me, uh, come say hello. I'd love to meet you. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit as far as, like, what I would do as far as the match order is concerned for WrestleMania this year. Um, there was a couple stuff this week uh, for television that stood out. Um, I, I didn't think Raw was that great this week, nor did I think it was the worst show ever. Um you know how I was talking about earlier about people being reactionary and stuff during the Q&A session? That's kind of like an example there. Like, uh, I was at the shop Monday, and I was, like, super crammed with tattoos and stuff that I had to clean and a bunch of stuff at the shop, right? And I really didn't have a chance to watch Raw live until I got home. And uh, I, I always say this, man. Twitter's the most misleading gauge on what's over and what's not over in wrestling. I'm just being upfront. I don't care if that bothers people on Twitter or whatever, but it is what it is. Twitter is misleading. They'll tell you one thing just to fit their narrative. I keep telling you guys, you have to be the authentic product that is yourself. Think for yourself. Just because you see five tweets on Raw, uh, five tweets on Twitter about Raw being horrible and blah 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 blah, that that doesn't mean the show's horrible. What do you think about it? What do you think about the shows? What do you think about what's going on? Again, we can't progress as people. We can't evolve. We can't move forward as a fan base, as people, as human beings, as society as a whole, if we can't think for ourselves. You should never allow anybody on this planet to speak for you under any circumstances. I don't care what the situation is. You got to think for yourself. So, like, 
I, I see that, and I'll be honest with you guys, I take a lot of things I see on Twitter with a grain of salt. I, I've been in this field for far too long to know when people are trying to bury one show just to hype up another one, uh, especially if a show had a shitty show the previous week. We're going to bury the other one just to uh, make us feel better. Guys, it happens. You see with a lot of your other like popular dirt sheet reporter guys, they do it all the time. Like, Don't be surprised with it. These guys play agendas and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. Like, Again, I did not think Raw this week was anything special. No, I think it was the worst Raw of all time, and yada, yada, yada. Like, some of the stuff I was seeing on Monday, I was like, man, is it really that bad? <laughs> I mean, this show's been on since 1993. You're telling me that's the worst Raw that you saw? Like, come on. <laughs> um... Let's do this. I'm going to start off with night one uh, for as far as the forecast of the show. Um, I had a original list that I put out on Saturday on my Twitter account at Josh Soldis Media, but I had to make some changes because there would be some new matches announced, obviously. Um, but, um, yeah, let's get into it. Start off here with um, night one on Saturday. Uh, Gonna start this off with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Going on second will be Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax against Naomi, Lana, Natalia, and Tamina, Dana Brooke, and Maddie Rose. Fatal four way match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles. Match number three. Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Match number four. I'm going to go to the New Day against AJ Styles and almost for Raw Tag Team titles. Match number five. Braun Strowman against Shane McMahon in the Steel Cage match. That was announced this week on television. Match number six. Bad Bunny. Against the Miz. And then number seven. We're going to wrap it up with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Pass forward to night number two on this extravaganza. We're going to start this off with Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn. Match number two. We're going to go. To Matt Riddle and Sheamus for the United States Championship. Match number three, gonna go with Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Match number four, gonna go with a three way tag, uh, three way triple threat tag team match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Um, Street Profits, uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Um, and, oh, actually, you have a four-way for this one for the SmackDown Tag Tiles, actually. Go with Dirty Dogs, uh, uh, Alpha Academy, Street Profits, and the Mysterios. So there you go. There's your, uh, Fatal 4-Way there, right? So I got those out of the way. Um, Big E Apollo Crews comes in at 5. 
Then we have Randy Orton and The Fiend, and wrapping it up with Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan. So, that right there, folks, is what I would do currently with the current announced matches uh, for WrestleMania in Tampa at Raymond Jade Stadium. Obviously, these lists can be subjective uh, based on your opinions and purposes. I understand that. And it's wrestling. It's not that serious. So, <laughs> uh, I'd love to know, what, what would your match order for WrestleMania be? Let me know. What, what would you do with the match order for WrestleMania? Hit me up at Twitter at Josh Lopez Me. I'd love to see your responses. So, um, what we're going to do right now, I'm going to be making predictions. Yes! For um, NXT TakeOver Stand Deliver coming up next week. Uh, obviously, our show will be, our next episode, our WrestleMania preview show will be taking place um, a night after night one. So, <laughs> I got to make sure I get my predictions in. So, let's do it. All right, Pete Dunne versus Kishida in the single match. I got Pete Dunne. I got the Grizzled Young Veterans defeating MSK and Legato Del Fantasma to become your new NXT Tag Team Champions. I have Bronson Reed. No, actually, I got Dexter Loomis advancing to the number one, uh, advancing to the North American title match at night two. So I think he wins the Gauntlet Eliminator match. I have Walter retaining against Samasa Champion for the UK title, and I have Io Shirai retaining over Kel Gonzalez at TakeOver as well. Night two, I have Ember Moon and Chassie Blackheart defeating the way. I got Adam Cole defeating Kyle O'Reilly with health from Pat McAfee. I have Dexter Lumis defeating Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. I have Jordan Devlin to become your unified NXT Cruiserweight Champion. And finally, I have Killer Cross beating Finn Balor to become your new NXT Champion. So, just had a lot of business right there. A lot of stuff right there going on in the world of WWE. And that's your recap this week in WWE with Joshi Lopez. When we come back, it's main event time, pal. We're going to give people what they want, as Excalibur said last night on AEW. But did AEW did that? Did they do that? Did they accomplish that feat on TNT? Folks, you know what time it is. It's time for the greatest segment in all of professional wrestling. It's widely known as What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We're going to start off with Brother Carter. In a three, two, one. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? Okay, we're going to get right into it this week because we have a lot to talk about with this. Once again, god-awful wrestling production that puts on more crappy television every single week. Okay, what exactly is Sting's purpose in AEW? He's been paired with Darby Allin, and he just stands there and doesn't do anything. 
Like in his interview segments, he barely gets a word in before he's interrupted. In the video last, or in the video this week for the show, he was just walking around with Darby Allen, not doing anything. He's getting basically paid. I'm assuming a lot of money to just stand there and do nothing. Tony Khan, man, what a booking and business genius. Good lord. What the hell was the point of that exhibition with Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall? It was just a series of training wrestling moves that's done at the Performance Center that looks like it's leading to yet another stable. That's the last thing that AEW needs is more stables. That's all all AEW is now is stables. I mean, who else? If you can think of the top of your head, except for maybe Moxley... Who and who else is is not involved with the stable of some high? Yet Kenny Omega with the Elite, well, all of the Elite, which are fighting. You've got Pinnacle, you've got Inner Circle, you've got the Nightmare Family, you've got now the branch off of the Nightmare Family. You've got Matt Hardy's group, you've got the Dark Order. I mean, what is what? What? I just don't get it. It's basically just going to be a group of stables, and it was absolutely it makes no sense at all. And then. There was just for no reason more crimson on Dustin Rhodes. It's freaking stupid. And then it led to a random attack backstage from Jade Cargill on Red Velvet. It's uh, it, it was a horribly done segment from a horrible television show. The Team Taz promo was just awkward. It was like if you're, it's not believable. Like if you're going to separate Brian Cage from Team Taz, that's fine, but make it more natural. It's just very just. Oh, you know, Taz is starting to say his stuff, and then Ricky starts interrupts and immediately goes, well, Brian, what do you think? And as if Brian Cage is not going to respond and, and you know we, we know, we can tell that Brian Cage is leaving Team Taz. It was an awkward promo, and it was just awful. Just let Team Taz, just let Taz be Taz. When he was just doing all that stuff with Cody, it was excellent. When Taz was just the mic piece, along with maybe Ricky Starks, because Ricky Starks is actually good on the mic too, just let them do their thing and... Just leave every and let everyone else just just stand there because that's all they're good at. Okay, so the payoff for the inner circle getting in their uh, getting their revenge on the pinnacle was so lame. You're meaning to tell me that the inner circle was just hiding out in their old dressing room in the bathroom all day waiting for MJF to open the door? Like seriously? And then and then Hager kind of walks out to block the the entrance. Are you kidding me? That was the payoff. And then we got a random and unnecessary backstage brawl and with more blood on Cash Wheeler. Like, what? what is this company trying to be? It's not UFC. It's not WWE. They're, they're just stealing ideas because they have no identity. That was the payoff. I mean, there was no slow build. There was no tease. It was horribly done. They could have done something a lot better with that. You know, teasing the return of the inner circle, slowly bringing them back. Something. Something. But... It was a lame payoff because this company doesn't know how to book a professional wrestling show. The Young Bucks and Don Callis soap opera is getting annoying too. Where is it going? Now Callis slapping around Matt Jackson for no reason. And then it leads to another spot fest with the Kenny Omega six-man tag match. So here's the deal about these spot fest matches that they all have. They're not special anymore. They're just not. There's no storytelling. It's just a bu- bunch of athletic flips for 20 minutes. If I wanted to see that, I would go watch all these matches on YouTube, but now they're just going to give us these athletic spectacles all the time without being able to tell a story. It's just move, 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 blah, 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 boring, 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 boring. They're not special anymore. In fact, same thing with the brawls in AEW. They're not special anymore. They have multiple brawls every week on a TV show. Like, 
it's not special. It's just boring and unnecessary. It's just the the the. Well, I'm gonna finish my. I'm gonna finish this up, and then we'll uh, then we'll get into it. Again, the brawl. The we had a decent tag match with with Taylor Conti or Ty Conti and uh, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose and um, oh gosh, I can't remember who she was facing. But anyways, it was a good tag match. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but why did there have to be a brawl between Matt Hardy's faction and the Dark Order in the middle of it? Like why? It doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Uh, it just made no sense at all. Um, oh, Bunny, that's who it was. Not the Rose and Bunny. That's who it was. Um, but yeah, it just made no sense. Why does J.D. Drake get a title match? What did he do to deserve one? Where are they going with this TNT championship? It's, again, there's just no, there's no um, connection to their booking. There's no uh, straight and narrow path. They're, like, their booking doesn't make any sense. There's no continuity to their booking. And then we get to Arcade Anarchy. One of the most stupid things I've ever seen on a pro wrestling program. It reminds me of the food fight matches that WWE used to do, which I didn't like those either. It was a waste of food and just it was just a waste of the talent's time. Also, Legos. They used Legos in place of thumbtacks. So here's what I've decided about AEW. Their mission is to do nothing but make a complete mockery of the wrestling business. Let's think about it. They overdo the spot fest matches. They overdo the brawls. They overdo the blood. They overdo all these ridiculous, stupid gimmick matches that have no point at all. They don't tell stories. They give me no reason to watch. Matt and Nick Jackson weren't kidding when their book said killing the business because that's exactly what AEW is doing. It's causing wrestling to go down the toilet. It's causing wrestling fans to not watch anymore because why would you watch this god-awful product? And because of all elite wrestling, the wrestling business will be dead within five years. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Brother Carter for the submission this week. You are the man. How how do I follow that line that he just put out there? Jeez. <laughs> Welcome to the Brother Adam uh, portion of what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. And uh, fuck, man. <laughs> I gotta tell you, man. It's really starting to weigh on me, like how much. I despise this style of professional wrestling. This fucking outlaw mud show festival that we watch every week. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think you need 30 plus matches to develop anticipation for a shitty ass television show. I really don't. But for whatever reason, AW thinks this, oh, let's do 15 plus matches. On AW Dark Elevation and Dark every week before Dynamite. Okay. Let's start with the positive stuff here first, okay? Um, I really liked Christian Cage's match with Frankie Kazarian. I thought that was a really good match. No, I'm sorry, Andrew. I do not believe that was AW's best match. Object- objectively speaking, as uh, I've 
covered every single AEW match this year. Uh, it was definitely a good match. And it's it's funny. Sometimes here and there you'll see some professional wrestling on AEW, on TNT. But most, more times than not, more times than not, you don't. And I, I really like this match with Christian and Frank Kazarian. Oh, it's nice to see Britt Baker on my screen. I, I like to promo backstage. Um, what else? Oh, shout out to Penelope for Waterfall. Just absolutely top notch, especially this week. My God. Uh, it's definitely that Leo, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio gibbering, like holding his fist, like, God. Damn you, Tides New Roman Fun. Damn you! <laughs> Alright, let's get into this shit. Because th this is what it is. Like, AEW in general, AEW Dynamite, is just a shitty television show. First off, their formatting and transitioning from one thing to the next is just absolutely piss poor. I don't know who's the showrunner backstage in the grill position, but if you're telling me that Money Mark Jones, Mr. I Want to Get on My Knees for Dave Meltzer and Brianna Alvarez... You tell me that guy is the showrunner of the show? Like, stop. <laughs> Just stop. But I think we're like, we're trying to fool ourselves thinking that AEW is like some marquee style of professional wrestling. Just because your name is called All Elite Wrestling doesn't mean your wrestling's elite. I cover seven wrestling promotions a week, and you guys are barely below average in the style of wrestling you guys produce each week. Just being honest. And your storylines are just as bad as the WWE's are. Your comedy sucks. Your 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 reliance on having people assume what's going on with the product sucks. Uh, this this myth, this narrative that AEW does such a great job with long term storytelling and yada 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 and continuity and all these other buzzwords you see on Twitter. Well, okay, so it means continuity by having a shitty ass post match brawl after every match. That that's their that's their layers. That's their congruency. <laughs> that's their whatever fancy term you want to use as far as storylines and all that. Like. Every match has some post-match brawl, and here comes somebody that we saw from AW Dark, and we're going to run the AW Dark angle on TNT, even though nobody watches our fucking four-hour YouTube shows. Like, like, what are we doing here? We have Cody, we have, my bad, we have Jeff Jarrett against QT Marshall in an exhibition match, and... Basically, this was a setup for Casey Marshall to bring in, implement his guys from the Nightmare Factory. So we have a different branch of the Nightmare Family. We have this new sub faction in AW. I mean, we're up to like fifteen and twenty factions at this point. And I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, here we go. We got Aaron Solo. We got Anthea Gogo. Obviously, he was kissing his ass on commentary most of the time on Dark, so I'm not really surprised that was the case with him popping up in there. I mentioned Aaron Solo, uh, Nick Conorado. <sighs> Guys, man. AW <laughs> is the master of putting an emphasis on quantity over quality. And they're just one company. <laughs> I know WWE puts out, pumps out a lot of content. Sometimes too much content. I understand that. But AEW, as far as conceptually and what they do with their shows, 
If you look at the transcripts I make for AEW, even for like a Dynamite, and you see everything I write on the headline of the match and see like who they're accompanied by and yada, 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 right? The amount of people that are always hovering over the ringside area during all these matches is just absolutely insane to me. Why the fuck does Cody Rhodes need to bring 30 people to ringside for an exhibition match? Why do we need more factions? Why in the women's tag match later on in the show, you need to have another sloppy brawl around the ringside area with Dark Order and the Butcher and the Blade and Prime Party? Why is that a faction now for, for Matt Hardy? Speaking of factions, oh, we run this big angle a couple weeks ago on Diamond with the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. It did take two weeks <laughs> to have a backstage brawl, but oh my god, the backstage brawl was awesome because Dax Hardwood got cut open. Awesome. You could let that wait. You could let that simmer. You could let that process. You couldn't help. You could. AW can't help themselves. This was a tape show. Like, think about it. this is a televised wrestling promotion. You need to capitalize on your live TV shows. You bring the inner circle back on a tape show? You don't even give it a month to let it simmer? I'm not saying, oh, you can't see the inner circle for two to three months, but you're bringing them back for this? For that? Jake Hager opened the door and I'm supposed to mark out? Come on, guys. Like, what are we doing here? But come on, Josh. It, 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 it's good storytelling. It's continuity. Give me a fucking break. Who are, you, who are we fooling here? AEW is a parody of professional wrestling. Here comes another faction. We got the elite. With this days of our lives, all my children-esque storyline with the Olivier and the bucks of baldness and petiteness and all this other terms we want to use. I'm watching this match. They had this freaking long-ass six-man tag match because that's Tony Khan's favorite match, ladies and gentlemen. The six-man tags on television. You have... Um, Good Brothers and Olivier against the Lucha Brothers and the Real Kid. And it's a tumbling fest. And it's basically the same match layout that they had last week against the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutlet. And it's like... <sighs> Every time I watch AW, I'm like, what are we doing here? What's the point? And that's the thing when you have a promotion that has no identity. Referees are out of position. Referees being made to look bad. Rick Knox was readily useless in this match. Speaking of referees, what a shocker. Aubrey Edwards is in the main event of Dynamite. And very apropos for her to be the referee for this absolute much show of a match. RK Anarchy. That match almost got me to the point where I never want to go to an arcade again. And this is my point of contention this week for AEW. So, <laughs> I kind of pulled this up on Twitter because this is absolutely insane to me. 
all these years I've heard people put Tony Khan on a fucking pedestal about how awesome he is and how great of a booker he is. And he's a great wrestling mind. I mean, you gotta give him a break. He's new to the business. We gotta give AEW a pass because this is a new TV show. Right. And here we go. I'm gonna pull this up on my Twitter. And just give me one second. I gotta pull this up because I saw this <laughs> Tuesday. Uh, again, I, just, I found it funny that AEW really expected me to mark out for Jake Hager stopping the pinnacle in their tracks. Like, come on. Um, I should have it right here, actually. Just one second. Da, 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 da. Should be up here somewhere. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, here we go. You remember the quote that I read for Toy Con about a couple months ago about him uh, having to rebuild Miro? I want to ask Toy Con this question. Hopefully, he can answer this for me. How's that rebuild going? How's that rebuild going? Miro, this guy that you want to make as this dangerous force, this brute, this dangerous entity in AEW, he got distracted by a fucking old lady and Trent Beretta. No disrespect to Trent Beretta. I like him as a wrestler, yada, 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 as a person. That's all fine. But you mean to tell me this guy that, that had... This dude had the audacity to... To say this in a press conference, and, okay, here we go. They treated him like shit for years. He drove a takeout five years ago. That's not the guy I signed. The guy I signed had been abused for years, and he's being rebuilt. Well, <laughs> how's that going, pal? <laughs> because from what I've seen so far, you've done worse shit with him than what I've seen Vince McMahon do with him. I have no words for this. Chuck Taylor sucks. Orange Cassidy sucks. Times New Roman is Times New Roman. No, I did not pop to see Chris Statlander. I, that that was as predictable as all hell. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it did nothing for me. But the funny thing in this match is, like, Chris Statlander came out and did, like, like a half Nelson driver off the apron through, like, an air hockey machine. And Tony Schiavone... Had the gall to say, oh, you remember the Chris Statlander Penelope Ford Classic? What? Can somebody please remove this dude off the goddamn announce booth? For the love of God. Hell, this even pull him off for Dynamite. I, I don't mind him on Dark Elevation with, with Big Show. He does a good job on there. But on Dynamite... Freaking Tony Schiavone is insufferable to listen to. Chris Statlander and Penelope Ford had a classic? Excuse me? It's like <laughs> every time I watch AW and I hear her commentary, they're like, you remember this, you remember this, you remember that. Do I? Why are you assuming? 
your audience knows every little aspect about AEW with this new company. By the way, their commentary is produced, you would think this company has been around for 15 years. I have literally nothing positive to say about this Arcade Anarchy match. Because it's a goddamn parody of professional wrestling. It's a joke. We got Sean William Scott and Ashton Kutcher. I, I'm, I'm waiting for the flux capacitor to come out, the continued transfunctioner to come out. And, like, literally, do worse my car. We have those two dweeds. And we got Kid Sabian and Miro, who's basically, at this point, a complete waste of space in AEW. That may come out harsh, but I call Spade Spade here. He's a waste of space. He's not doing things special. And that's the funny thing about AEW, where they bring these guys in from WWE. Yeah, and they're in the same position as they were in the WWE. Stop falling for the fucking propaganda and the hysteria and the bullshit. Stop applying double standards. And if you want to talk about a company that calls itself all elite wrestling, hold it to elite standards. How about that? With that being said, that is what the hell is wrong with AEW. Alright folks, I want to wrap it up this week for this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to follow Brother Carter at Twitter at Derek Stoughton at Derrico06 on Instagram. Also, uh, hit me up on Instagram at Josh Lopez94 at Josh Lopez Music. Make sure to leave us a four or five star review on the podcast as we do appreciate your support. And um, yeah, make sure to uh, bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I want to thank you guys for joining every single edition of the Hoops Podcast with this being our last episode. No, I'm kidding. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. And uh, make sure to check out myself and Mark Carter on the TVD Wrestling Podcast, WrestleMania Roundtable. I'm sure that's going to be pretty interesting. And uh, it should be a fun time. But uh, I'm going to send out to Brother Carter in a couple minutes. But I just wanted to mention... Be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody's dictating the pace of your life but yourself. I love you guys. Have a great weekend. And we're going to send it off to Brother Carter for this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. I'm Joshi. This has been episode 251 of the Hoots Podcast. Next week, we'll be making predictions. Yes! For the mania of wrestle right here on the Hoots Podcast. Uh, Yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that always delivers, even when it's standing. It is the thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Just a few things to talk about with SmackDown and Raw and AEW this week, and then I'm going to get into my predictions for the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver event that will be happening next week. Should be a great show. But let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about some things that I liked about, or that I noticed on SmackDown this week. Really, I like how Edge and Daniel Bryan are interacting with each other. I think that's really cool. And then you add Roman Reigns in there. It, it, it provides for some interesting 
and it's interesting mixes, interesting ways it can go. I don't really like the fact that it's that the match is now a triple threat match at WrestleMania. I mean, I knew it was coming, but I'd much rather have just Edge and Roman Reigns do a one-on-one match. I don't know why they're adding Daniel Bryan. I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But um, but at the same time, if, if, if that's what they're going to go with and that's what they need to do, fine. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, i just rather see Roman Reigns and Edge go at it one-on-one. But that's just me. Uh, Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura had another great match. Um, they're both just absolutely outstanding in the ring. I just want to know when they're going to let Shinsuke Nakamura just go back to the old ass kicker that he was. You know, I know it seems like he's back to being a face again and he's got his old music and that's all good. But I really want to see Nakamura back in the world title picture. I think he deserves it. I, I, I just, I thought he's just been outstanding for years. So we will see what they end up doing with that. Uh, let's see. Really great action from Apollo Crews, uh, Otis, Chad, and Gable, Biggie, and the Street Profits. They continue to bring it every week. Uh, Bianca Belair and Natalia was, had another great match. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Dolph Ziggler had another great match. Um, it looks like we're getting Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. And my guess is that WWE didn't have anything for the two of them to do, so they just said, wait a minute, let's put Owens and Zayn together. They know what they're doing, and they'll have another great match. And so it's fine. Uh, again, there's just there's only enough spots uh, on a show every week, so I'm okay with it. I think they're going to have a great match, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it at WrestleMania. Switching gears to Raw, obviously the biggest news story of the week uh, from Raw is the breakup of the Hurt Business. <sighs> I I get it, but I'm not happy about it because I think that the Hurt Business was. One of the best things, it was, uh, not one of the best, it was the best thing on Raw, was the Hurt Business, no question. What MVP has been able to do with Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander has been just nothing short of remarkable. I'm very sad that they're no longer together, but it looks like um, maybe maybe this will lead to Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander being on their own and having great success on their own uh, with Lashley uh, doing his thing with MVP. Maybe, maybe this will result, maybe Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander will cost Lashley the title at Mania. I could see that happening, but we'll have to, we'll have to see what happens with that. But, uh, I was very sad to see them break up. Um, I, I, I didn't think it was the right time, but at the same time, I get it. I'll say it once and I say it again. I hate, 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 hate this Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon storyline. This Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon storyline, I was actually going to talk about it on a 250th episode of the Hoots podcast, but but uh, we didn't get to it. This storyline has AEW written all over it. It's that bad. It The booking makes no sense. The pairing makes no sense. Um, their interactions with the, each other make no sense. It is AEW level booking. It's like an AEW storyline. The Shane McMahon, Braun Strowman, it's that bad. And I hate it. And I, they're in a cage now. I don't care. I don't want to see it. I hate this. I can't wait for this to be over so Braun can go back to just being Braun. But I hate this storyline. I will say, um, uh, well, no, we'll talk about this in a little bit later. Uh, let's see what else. <laughs> hey, hey, hip hop was hilarious. Miz and Morrison are two of the most entertaining characters in the world. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> funny. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. It's great. I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, you've got uh, Woods and AJ Styles. 
you know, doing some comedy stuff. Uh, sorry, AJ Styles and almost doing some comedy stuff uh, with the with the New Day, and that's fine. Um, leading, it's it's basically tying onto the the up up down down channel and what they're both good at. So that's fine. I didn't have a problem with that. Looking forward to that tag match at Mania. That should be good. Um, once again, Alexa Bliss just continues to up her game every week. I mean, my goodness, what an outstanding promo! And the Fiend was just sitting there, like at the end. That was just crazy in his burn down, in his just burn down thing. I was just in his burned up gimmick. It was crazy. Um, cool to oh. I will say the riddle, um, quote unquote, forgetting his line, that was genius, especially if they make it into a storyline because they're basically taking a shot at all the internet trolls that are going, oh, they have to have scripted promos. Riddle's like, oh, I forgot it and just walked off. And they're saying that that's just going to be part of his gimmick. So because they didn't reshoot it, I mean, <laughs> it was a backstage segment. They could have just reshot it. But, oh, my God, that was hilarious. I just forgot it walked off. And then the <laughs> – I thought it was great. So I don't think – I think it was planned. And uh, Riddle – Matt Riddle is a genius. I love Matt Riddle. He's going to have a great match with Sheamus at Mania. I can't wait. Cool to see King Corbin on Raw. I wasn't expecting that. I'm not sure where they're going to go with that. But I've, I've thought for a little while they needed to do something to mix things up with King Corbin. And I think that that's a good idea. Uh, getting him over on Raw, getting him doing something else new, I'm I'm totally cool with that. I think it's great, and uh, we'll see where 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 it goes. Uh, we needed something fresh, and I'm all about it. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, just a couple things I really enjoyed about AEW this week, and then we'll get into my uh, stand and deliver predictions. Uh, I like that they're using Christian Cage's Impact Wrestling theme. I always thought it was a very cool theme uh, when I was watching Impact on a regular basis. I really thought it was great and a great match with Cage and Frankie Kazarian. That is what AEW needs to do. Take note of that AEW. Great storytelling, great pacing. All of it was fantastic. Bravo to Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian. Really, really enjoyed that match. That was great. Uh, another good another good John Moxley promo. Um Unfortunately, Moxley made the AEW Dark Group look incompetent by just beating them all down. But uh, no, really, no, really shocking. Nothing really shocking about that. Another great promo from Britt Baker. Um, I I like how her match with Thunder Rosa doesn't technically count because it was unsanctioned, and she's playing it off like the greatest match in AEW history doesn't count because it was unsanctioned. So I didn't lose. That was great. We need more of Britt Baker. She is fantastic. And very cool to see Chris Statlander and Trent back. Uh, I could do without the Trent's mom thing, but for one week, it's fine. Um, but cool to see them both back. Glad to see that they're both healthy. And now let's get into my predictions for the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver event. Two-night uh, streaming event. Uh, looks like it's going to be happening uh, on, let's see, yeah, so night one is going to be on USA Network, the last Wednesday night show on the USA Network will be then, so I don't know if I'll be watching AEW that week, we'll have to see, and then Thursday night will be extremely on Pe- uh, exclusively on Peacock, so should be some good stuff, so uh, getting into night one, we have the Gauntlet Eliminator for an opportunity at the NXT North American Championship, um, it, I thought that they did this, uh, already and maybe i'm just i don't know maybe they just taped this already i'm i'm not sure but um i i think that um i want to say la knight got the win didn't he and it's going to be la knight versus i think anyways i'm going with la knight 
uh, on that uh, to get his opportunity. Uh, he's been doing great work, and I love when he was Eli Drake. So I'm going to go with L.A. Knight to get that, to get the win there. Uh, Kushida versus Pete Dunne, that could be fantastic. Uh, I'm going to go with Pete Dunne to get the win there. He's been doing some incredible work lately, and I love Kushida as well. So that should be a really great match. NXT Tag Team Championships. You've got MSK versus the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Legado del Fantasma. That is going to be a war. I love me the I love me some MSK. Love me the Grizzled Young Veterans. And I haven't and, and every time I've seen Legado del Fantasma, that's been that's been terrific too. Uh, I'm going to take the Grizzled Young Veterans here. I think to uh, to pick up the the vacant championships. I think. They, I mean, they're just an incredible team, and they they're ready to move up into their taking their place uh, within the NXT ranks. So, I'm going to take the Grizzled Young Veterans to be your new NXT Tag Team Champions. The NXT United Kingdom Championship, the returning Valter defending against Tommaso Ciampa. <sighs> this one's tough because why would they bring Walter back, uh, except to potentially drop the title? But at the same time. Why does Tommaso Ciampa need the NXT UK title? That being said, I'm going to take Tommaso Ciampa here to become your new NXT UK champion. Uh, I just, it's, there's just something about that that just makes, makes me think that he's going to end up winning the title. So I'm going to take Tommaso Ciampa to be your new NXT UK Kingdom champion, uh, NXT United Kingdom champion. And then the NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai defending against Raquel Gonzalez. I'm going to take Io Shirai to retain here. That could steal the show easily. This is going to be a great night one of NXT, and I'm really looking forward to it. In case you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast before I get to give my predictions, I'll go ahead and give my predictions for night two as well. Uh, next Thursday, a week from today, streaming exclusively on the, <coughs> excuse me, streaming exclusively on Peacock. Ladder match for the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin, champion versus champion. Uh, we're finally getting to see Jordan Devlin come back uh, after being um, away since the pandemic hit. I'm going to take Jordan Devlin here uh, to unite the championships. Uh, they He had a great run before the pandemic hit, and they had to take the title off of him. I see no reason for them to not continue with that. So I'm going to say Jordan Devlin unites the titles and, um, and gets that going and uh, makes the sole NXT Cruiserweight Championship uh, with Jordan Devlin. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon defending against the way. Uh, I'll take Shotzi and Ember to retain here. I don't think they're going to take the titles off them just yet. I never thought they should have had NXT tag team titles to begin with. I think that just means that there's too many belts. That's just my opinion. However, uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon, I mean, Shotzi Blackheart is easily becoming one of my favorites. She's incredible. Uh, so I'm going to take them to retain their titles here. No sense taking them off the titles yet. Uh, Johnny Gargano defending his championship against who I believe will be LA Knight. Uh, I'll take Johnny Gargano to retain here. I don't see why they need to take the title off of him just yet. Uh, he's doing great work with that. The way is fantastic. So I'm going to take Johnny Gargano to retain, but that's going to be a great match too. Kyle O'Reilly going one-on-one with Adam Cole in this unsanctioned match. This has been an intriguing storyline all the way through. Uh, and... <sighs> Okay, I'm going to take Kyle O'Reilly to win here and say that we see Adam Cole on either Raw or SmackDown following WrestleMania. I think it's time for Adam Cole to start doing his thing on either Raw or SmackDown. My guess would be Raw. My guess would be Raw for Adam Cole. So, uh, 
that's what I'm going with. I'm going to say that Kyle O'Reilly gets the win, and then we eventually see Adam Cole on either Raw or SmackDown following WrestleMania. And then finally, the NXT Championship, Finn Balor defending against Karrion Cross with Scarlett. This is this is going to be incredible. Uh, I mean, Karrion Cross was forced to relinqu- relinquish the title because, uh, due to injury. Uh, I think it was back in like May of last year or something like that, and he's finally getting a shot um, at NXT's uh, the event during WrestleMania week. I'm going to say Karrion Cross once again becomes the NXT champion. Uh, he was destined for a lengthy run, uh, I think, prior to uh, him getting injured. And I see no reason for him, for him to not have that continue. So I'm going to see Karrion Cross will be your new NXT champion following Stand and Deliver. Those are my predictions. Uh, for this event, it's going to be a terrific event to kick off WrestleMania week and WrestleMania weekend. I'm really looking forward to the shows. They're going to be great. And that also concludes this week's episode of The Thoughts of Derrico. My final thought is we're 250 episodes down with 250 to go. The best is yet to come, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you're along for the ride. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.